I'd like you to take your Bibles this morning and find, if you will, the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John, chapter number 3. Find that place in your Bible this morning, if you will. First John, chapter number three. As soon as my iPad lets me get there, I'll get there. First John, John is discussing here the to the church, encouraging them in their faith. To be careful of false teachers and the error that is out there in the world at that point in time and the um, doctrine still applies to us today about false teachers. Remember it all comes down to who Christ is and I encourage you to always remember that doctrine matters. We all emphasize, wants to emphasize love and it's good that we all love each other. We want to be cruel to our neighbors but again we it, it comes down to what God says, not what we think or what we feel. And, and John has some important things to tell us here about, uh, as Christians, what we're to do. He, in verses 1 through 10, where we were last Sunday morning, he encourages them, again, reminding them who Christ is, how Christ came to do one thing. He says in verse 5 that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. The, the purpose of Christ, the, 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 the Christmas story we will think about this month is about Christ coming to the earth for one reason, and that's to take away mankind's sin. Man's greatest need is that of sin, and Christ came to remove that from us. We were in the car the other night, and my daughter was talking, and she says, you know, that God cursed the earth, but aren't you glad when God cursed the earth, he didn't curse it so it, it looks like a barren wasteland, Amen. We all enjoyed the wonderful things of Thanksgiving that God still allows the earth to bring forth, and we all enjoy it, and everything with its unique, unique tastes and wonderment. It's a beautiful creation out there. We can ride around and see the mountains and the oceans and the streams and the lakes and, and admire all of God's beauty, yet upon it there is this curse, but the curse is not a complete curse because there is still the beauty of it. But Christ came to not lift the curse yet. He came to save us from the sin that is upon us so that we may be made righteous. And he talks about the fact that we have this new man within us that does not sin. Now he's going to make some comparisons and, and the difference between the child of God and the child of the devil. Well, my friend, there's, there's two children in the world. There's the children of God and there's the child of the devil. We are not all God's children. We are all God's creation, but we are not all God's children. You don't become a child of God until the day you get born again by the Spirit of God. Then you're born into the family of God. Sin separated us from God. Sin exiled us, and it's Christ who came to redeem us to bring us back into the family of God. And so there are these two families out there. And that's why the world has its problems, by the way, because we've we got one family that can't get along with anybody no matter what. They can't get along with themselves, and you've got the family of God, and this family doesn't like the family of God, as you, is evident in what we see in the world today. And he picks this up in verse number 11. For this is the message that we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one. Notice Cain was of that wicked one. In other words, Cain was a child of Satan. And slew his brother, wherefore 
slew he him because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us love in word, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Father, bless the time, bless the word now as we look to scripture. And may Christ be honored and glorified. If anybody here today is not a child of God, let this be the day that they come and get that issue settled. Now I pray, dear Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts and help the children in their respective classes throughout the, the, the places you have given to us next door and downstairs and minister to their hearts that they may love you and serve you all their days. Bless now the time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the mark of a Christian? You know, throughout the years, people have often given me things, and, uh, to, and they're, they're meant to remind you that you're a Christian. Somebody gave me a coin. Carry this coin. Every time you reach your hand in your pocket, you feel this coin, and that coin's to remind you that you're a Christian. Somebody gave me a little look like a driver's license. You keep this in your wallet. It's a cross in your wallet. Then when you open your wallet, you see that cross. That's to remind you that you're a Christian. Now, I never got into those things. I can't keep a coin in my pocket because like, I've got money in there. I'm going to spend it. And, uh, and my wallet fills up. And, and the older you get, the more you realize you don't want to be sitting on a wallet, especially as you're driving because it bothers your back. And that's the joys of getting older. And the first thing you do when you get in your car is you take your wallet out and, and then you go into the store and you're walking around the store like I did the other day and realize you don't have your wallet with you and you have to run back out to the car and then go with a bad knee. It's a disaster. And so um, I don't keep things in my wallet. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want things to remind me that I'm a Christian. I, I, I should, should know I'm a Christian. It's just part of my nature. I am a human being. Remind myself you're human. No, I, I know that. Remind myself that, you know, I don't, I don't have to remind myself these are, I don't have to remind myself that I'm married. I don't have to remind myself that I have children. I don't have to remind myself that I'm a pastor. This is, this is who I am. And so carrying this coin in my pocket or anything else is, is but we all have a mark upon us. And, and we ought to carry this mark. And again, we may put a bumper sticker on your car saying, I'm a Christian. And if you're going to do that, by the way, you better drive like one. <laughs> Hello, amen, and drive like one. And uh, that's why we're not putting any logos or symbols on the church van, amen. It's, uh, we're incognito. We're in secret agent Christians. Just for the simple reason, because we, it's them people who want to sneak in at the last minute on the intersection, and I hate letting them people in. You came flying up, and you're too good to wait in line with the rest of us. Now you can hang out to dry. That's, but uh, and when you have Jesus on the side of your van, it's hard to hang them out to dry, amen. Don't look at me like that. You, know, you, you all do the same thing. Get on that guy's bumper in front. You can't get a sheet of paper between those bumpers, amen? As you're not letting that guy in, he looks over you with the little, with the little, with the little Mary hands. You know? I don't look at anybody. I'm so I don't need marks. So you're going to put marks on your car. You're going to put something on your house. It, and let, no, the mark of a Christian, my friend, is, is given here in Scripture. 
Jesus talked about this, and the mark of a Christian really is the fact that we have love one for another. That's our mark. How we act towards one another and what we're willing to do for one another. And, and again, when we think about Jesus Christ, he's preparing to die. And, and when he met with his disciples in the upper room, what did he teach them? Well, a lot of things. But one thing he stressed quite a bit, and if I want you to take your Bible, and, and I'd like you to turn there. Look at John's Gospel, chapter number 13. John, chapter number 13. And John, he says this, he says in John 13, 33, little children, and by the way, you notice in John's gospel, John calls the believers there, in, in 1 John, he calls those, he's the pastor, and he calls the believers little children, and he got that from the Lord who called the disciples little children, and uh, yet a little while I am with you, ye seek me as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, and ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that ye have love one to another. My friend, this passage that we see here, Jesus reveals the mark that we have upon us, that the world is going to see, that the mark is that we have love one for another. That's how we identify who Christians are. Now, again, we may have our disagreements. We may have our little arguments amongst each other. But at the end of the day, we do love one another. We do care for one another's well-being and, and want the best for each other. And when we go back to what we see there in 1 John and what John is telling us here, and he's using the idea of this contrast between God's family and, and Satan's family. And the New Testament, by the way, consistently bears out this truth, this mark that we're to have one for another. Love, again, and, and again, caring, loving, and, 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 and wanting to help each other when we can. Very quickly, uh, you can stay where you are, but in Romans, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, and hope... Make it not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You see, one of the things God gave us when we got saved is this, is this ability to love people and care for people and have an affection for people. And then the Holy, God, Holy Ghost sheds this abroad in our hearts. In Galatians, in chapters 5, verse 22 through 23, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And what is one of the, what is the first fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. Love. And then he gives joy, peace, and, and, and long-suffering and all the rest of it. But the first fruit, and by the way, we have our cornucopia down here on the, on the table. The kids, Miss Donna, we've done our best to protect this cornucopia, but the kids love it. They think it's actual fruit down here. They, they gathered around it like vultures the other night, and they're only kind of bite into this stuff. They got disappointed, but uh, it's been rearranged 30 times, and we're doing our best to Well, we do take an offering from that table, so fork it over, people. And uh, <laughs> the fruit that we have, again, it's the idea that you don't just get one particular piece of the fruit. You get the whole entire thing. We, the fruit is love. And we, we're told in Scripture that, again, 
that we are to love the brethren. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 9 teaches about, again, that we are to love one another and care for one another. You're in, in 1 John. Go with me, with, if you will, to back up just a little bit to, to 1 Peter. And Peter talks about this. Peter had to learn this lesson. And our Bible is filled with a lot of men and women who, who in their, we meet them early on in their, in their walk and we watch them grow and develop. And by the end of their lives, they've really become some fine uh, Christian people. And, and that ought to encourage you when you fail and falter and mess up that you know God's not done with you. God's still working with you to get you where you got to be. And he says in verse number, in verse Peter chapter 1 and verse number 22, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit. That's the idea of salvation. Unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Again, we are to, again, have a purified heart and, 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 and love each other fervently. It's, it's the welfare and well-being of each other. If we go to to Second John, go to Second John. You're in First John, but go to Second John, and John is addressing the people there, and he says in verse number six. There's only one chapter. If you got more than one chapter, just let me know. You got a bad Bible, but in, in, in John, Second John, he says verse six. And this is the love that we walk after His commandments. This is the commandment that ye have heard from the beginning that ye should walk in it. What's that commandment? Well, love one another. That's the commandment. That's our nature that we have within us. So God not only commands those who are in Christ to show love, it's all throughout our Bible, but he enables us to love as we saw in Romans chapter 5, verse number 5. The Holy Spirit of God sheds that abroad in our hearts. Because humanly speaking, we may find it difficult to love certain people because of their actions and attitudes. And, and, and everybody's different. And some people have an abrasive nature. You meet them every now and then. You're like, man, like, this person's annoying. They've got an abrasive nature or they're very... Uh, we had a lady come to church here. She was, she was a Christian woman, but she had a very blunt personality. And she would just tell you what she thought. Miss <laughs> Rejoice knew her well. <laughs> she just... And I often go visit her and, and, uh, and she's just very blunt sometimes. And, and she told me this story. She said, you know, I don't get along too well with my daughter-in-law's she had two boys, and she didn't get along too well with her daughter. And I said, well, that's, well, you know, everybody's different. And I said, well, was there a problem? She said, well, my son got married on their wedding day, and uh, they were at, at the reception, and, and I was talking to my daughter-in-law, my son's new husband, and, and uh, she said, you know, I'm glad to be part of the family and everything else. And, and, and she told her, she, she, I looked at my daughter and said, well, as long as you take care of my son and treat him right, everything will be just fine. Imagine being a bride and having your mother-in-law tell you that. I don't think it would go over too well with most women. I mean, you'd be like... And, and from that day on, those two women never got along too well because mom was very abrasive and mom would tell you what she thought. But she had that was her personality. Now, was she say Like, yeah, she was. I believe she was. And, and she came here for quite some time. So she recently went home with the Lord. Or a few years ago she went home. But she had that nature. And some people, and, and the people in, in her, on her block did not like her. People used to scratch her car. People would do things because she, she, she just, again, very, very blunt. She just, no, no filter. And some people have no filter. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes I wish I had no filter. I'm always filtering the filter and the filtering of the filter and, and hoping it, it comes across. And some people just don't get it. But she had no filter whatsoever. 
And it made life difficult. And she basically, you know, nobody wanted to be around her near the end of her days. But we cared for her and we visit her and we see her and take care of her. So these are things we're to do. The Holy Spirit of God enables us to love those abrasive people, those types of individuals. So in what John is saying back in, 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 his, in his letter to the church in, in chapter number 3, as he's commanding the Christians here in their, in their walk, and what they're to do, love is to have an action. It should be reflected in, how we, in our relationships. Now, you can fall in love with your wife. You can fall in love with your his, husband. And, and, you, and it's reflected in how you treat each other. You love your children. It's reflected. But to walk into a church and there's a stranger that you never met and you're both Christians, well, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. It's the same Holy Spirit of God that indwells them. There's this bond that, that, that draws you together and makes you care for that person and, and wants to help them and, and wants to do what you can to be a blessing to them. And remember, at the end of the day, the people that you don't like, the people that you struggle not to like, and the, and the Christians that you struggle with are the ones that God loves. Because Jesus Christ died for them just as much as he died for you. And the blood of Christ that cleansed you from sin is the same blood of Christ that has cleansed them from their sins. The Bible is, and, and, uh, teaches us in Romans chapter number 5 that, uh, that God... Uh, manifested, God showed, God demonstrated His love that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. While we were yet sinners. It wasn't when we became good and better, but it's when we were unloving and cruel and unkind and in our worst state, God loved us. And this is, and we're to reflect this in our relationship. Jesus talked much about this and we're to Reflect upon this, and we're to have this attitude. Now, the apostles' instructions here is not new, but it's an old commandment. He says, which you've heard from the beginning. Look, if you will, at chapter number 2 of 1 John. First, he says, verse number 7, 1 John 2, 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you've heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you've heard from the beginning. And then we compare that to verse number 10. He that... Loveth his brother, abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. And the idea of stumbling, the idea is we all have walked in the dark. We have our, our, our children are with us, and they brought their dog, Holly. I love the dog, Holly. I, I, I love a dog. I love a good dog, amen. And, uh, but Holly is, is black as coal. And so at nighttime, when the house is as black, Holly don't move. She just lays there. And so here I am. Without the glasses, walking through the house, and <laughs> I am stumbling over the dog. And then she finally moves. She's probably just sitting there watching me. Here he comes. This is going to be good. And, and I'm stumbling over the dog. Our friend, what God is letting us know here, he says, when we have light. Now, I don't stumble over her when the lights are on because I see her plain as day. And when you walk in God's light, you have this light, and there's no occasion for stumbling because you have plenty of light. To stumble. Of course, the older you get, you, the more you realize carpet jumps up and trips you and wooden floors jump up and trip you and air jumps up and trips you and, 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 and your feet trip you. But in a normal world, you see and so you don't stumble. He says in verse number 11, But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because... That darkness hath blinded his eyes. Now, we skipped over these verses a few weeks ago 
because we knew we were going to get to them here. But understand that God is telling you, how can you say, I hate that Christian? What? <laughs> you realize that's not, I may have disagreements with that Christian. I'm, I'm struggling with my relationship with that Christian, but I hate Hate is a strong word. My wife often says, don't use that word. We joke about it. You know, I, I hate the cowboys. Do I hate the cowboys? No, I don't hate anybody on the cowboys. It's the whole persona of the thing. But I don't hate anybody on the cowboys. I like it when they lose, which is not happening too much this year, which is really ticking me off. But I, I don't hate anybody. I, don't, I, I hate the Yankees, but I don't hate the Yankees. You understand? There's a difference in what we mean by those things. I like it when they lose. It was a good year this year, amen. I always love it. Your team didn't make the playoffs either. It doesn't matter. As long as they didn't make it, the world's good. All right? So I'm fine. But I'm always, don't use that word hate. Well, it's, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a symbolic word, but there's no real hatred behind it. But when we say, I really can't stand that person, I hate it. I, had a, I knew a, a friend of mine was in a church. He was acting as a deacon, and he was very strict in his duties and, 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 and calling the pastor out on, on, on financial things. You know, pastor, the money's going here and, and we, we didn't vote on this. Pastor, you, you're helping, so how come you're, you know, and all these things that were going on in the church where the money should not be going, but the pastor was funneling money around. The pastor was doing things he shouldn't do with the money. And, and, the, and the, my friend who was a deacon in the church was, was calling it up. He said, Listen, you can't be doing these things and it's causing problems. And in a meeting, the pastor looked at my friend and said, I hate you. It's like, and my friend said, well, wait a minute, time out. That's not what the Bible says. And the pastor was wrong in what he did. The pastor, again, no pastor is perfect. No pastor is, uh, you know, we don't lift men up as, as beyond uh, ever examining them. We are to examine them. And so there is accountability. And if a pastor is not accountable, then, and so if a pastor is called out on it, and he looks at the, the man who called him out to say, I hate you, there's a problem with that because that doesn't match up with Scripture. How can you hate your brother? We cannot. Scripture does not want us to hate those whom are in the family. It's never good when they're squabbling in the family and brothers and sisters hate each other and don't get along and don't talk to each other, never uh, have anything to do with each other. Now John, as he's writing this, he is trying to encourage these people in the difference between children of light and children of darkness. Earlier, he's talked about the antichrists, the false teachers that are in the churches. How, how do we know who these people are? What's the, how do we pick them out? Well, what's the one defining characteristic? It's love. It's love is the characteristic. And if that's not being demonstrated and they're causing problems, there's something wrong with that person, something wrong with that individual. So, as he is encouraging the believers here in their walk. John has directed his readers to go back to the message which you've heard from the beginning. I'm taking you back to where we started with this, where it all goes back to. At the end of the day, always go back to where you started. Always go back to the basic principles of life and how things are. Another thing we need to see here about the difference between children of light and the children of, of darkness is what they do and their actions. If you see in, in John, 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 12, he says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, 
Wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. The love the world advances today is really no better than the love Cain had for his brother. The world would call it love is, is simply perverting the idea of love. You know, love is love. No, no, sorry. No, it's not how it works. Love is God's love and how God defines love and what he says it is. We see the character of Cain here who says, the Bible says he was of that wicked one. Cain was an evil man. There is no justifying any of Cain's actions, no trying to make Cain a better individual, not trying to put a, a good light on him. There's no good light to put on Cain. He's an evil man. He's a murderer. He had a bad nature. And this text here reminds us what Jesus said about the religious Pharisees who were the apostates of his day when he says, Ye are of your father the devil, who was what? A murderer from where? The beginning. He was a murderer from the beginning, which all the way goes back to Cain, who Cain was the first murderer. Well, why was Cain a murderer? Because he was of his father the devil. And what did they want to kill? They wanted to kill the righteous people. Abel, being a good man and a believer and, and obeying God and doing what was right, ended up being killed by his very own brother. So we see how cruel he was. That word slew in your Bible, it means to slay, to slaughter, to butcher by cutting the throat is one definition. There's a lot of things I don't watch on television, a lot of things I don't watch. I don't watch horror movies I find that they disturb me, especially when you're going around murdering and killing and, 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 and cutting up people. I, I don't know how Christians can watch those things. I, I truly don't. I don't like watching things with kidnappings or rapings. And, and I, those things disturb me. They, they truly do. I, I, you know, just give me something simple and unwholesome to watch, which there isn't much out there anymore of that venue. But to understand exactly how did... Cain killed his brother. Well, people always say, well, you hit him with a rock. Well, he says he slew him again. And then that definition is that basically it appeared, and forgive me, but he, he slashed his own brother's throat. Can you imagine something so horrible to do to another individual that you'd, especially your own flesh and blood, that you would do that to them? And his brother was laying there in the fields, bleeding out. And as he watched him and stood over him, as his brother bled out in the field, that's why God says, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. That's innocent blood. Why did Cain do that? Well, it revealed his nature. It showed us who he is and what he did. We see again, it says there in verse 12, because again, his, his works were evil. His works were evil. Again, the, the wicked hate the righteous. Now, they, they try to put on a good show about it, but the wicked hate the righteous. When, when Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court, who did they? Who did those? Who did the pro-abortion crowd come after? Who did they? Who did they want to go after? The, the religious crowd, the Christians. How dare those Christians not allow us to kill our unborn babies? And you have to think about a woman who wants to. It's one thing to have had an abortion and then meet Jesus, and you ought to have a change of mind about what you did. But then the, the, these people just want to kill for the sake of killing. That's just birth control to these people. They want to live like, like uh, animals in heat and, and have no consequences and, 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 and have their children murdered in the womb. Something wrong with that. 
And when we say no, we, there ought to be restrictions and, 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 and guidelines. And, and, and they, they, they lose their minds because they cannot kill. Think about it. They lose their minds because they can no longer kill unborn children. It's letting you know their nature. And anybody who says, I'm a firm believer and, and, and a follower of Jesus Christ, but I believe in abortion, no. It doesn't fit with the nature. You don't want to kill. Now again, a man may have to make a decision, and it's very rare when it happens. Your wife or your child, we have to make a decision here. And, that's a very, and it happens very, very rare, but it may happen. And decisions must be made. For the sake, you know what, hey, I want to live and party and go out and, and be promiscuous and, and now I got this, this consequence. And listen, it's not a consequence. It's a human life. It's a human life. And just to eliminate it and, and make yourself believe it's just cells. It's just a fetus. It's nothing. It's not human. It's, it's, it's human. Again, I remind you, in your Bible, the Bible never says that she was pregnant. Or it doesn't say she was with fetus. The Bible says, and she was with child. She was with child. That's Bible language. That's a child according to Almighty God. And the science today doesn't match up with what they're saying. It's a human being in there. But they get mad. And they've attacked Christians. And they've beat up Christians. And they've assaulted Christians. And they want to go after Christians and restrict Christians. Why? Because... They're not righteous. Their deeds are not righteous. They're no different than their, their father Cain, who, who was a murderer. Again, we use the word hate. And again, hate is not a really good word to use. Teach your kids not to use that word. We ought to hate sin. We ought to hate the devil. But we don't hate people. And again, we don't hate the lost world. We want them saved. That's why we go after them and reach them with the gospel and with compassion. And we don't scream at them and call them names and belittle them. They're, you know, compassion. You, you want to reach people for, for the gospel? Just see how Jesus did. And that's a good lesson on how to treat people. You know, they're all messed up. Everybody who came to Jesus was all messed up. And he had a lot of compassion on those messed up people. And be compassionate because, my friend, you were once messed up and you... Probably in many ways still are. Amen. I know I got a long way to go before I get it all figured out and where God needs me to be. We notice his cruelty. Again, his own brother. I had three brothers. All three of my brothers are home with the Lord now, and I, I miss my brothers. But I, one thing I knew when I was a boy, my brothers may have picked on me. They may, they're all older, and, and I may have got a little mouthy at time to time, and they may have whacked me around and put me in my place. Amen. <laughs> That's okay for an older brother to do that from time to time and let you know. And, but I knew one thing. I knew my brothers loved me. I knew my brothers cared for me. I knew my brothers defended me and, and watched out for me. And nobody could pick on me without there being consequences to that other person. One time I, I did get beat up as a kid. Some kid out of nowhere just beat me up for no good reason. Really was. The kid was a psycho. And he beat me up for no good reason. The next day my brother went down to the school and they had a discussion on the topic. Amen. And my brother, and that kid never bothered me again. <laughs> he learned, don't bother Mac. He's got older brothers. If I was being chased by a bully as a kid, I would size that kid up. How old is he? 
is he Stephen's age, Chester's age, or Eddie's age? And I'll say, leave me alone. I'll get my brother after you. Who's your brother? And I Chester, you better watch yourself. And they walk away. It's like, whew, worked every time. Amen. Worked every, I got out, out of more beatings <laughs> from bullies or my own stupid mouth by invoking my own brothers. Amen. Get my brother Eddie after you. Your brother's hog. That was my brother's nickname. Walk away. Dodged another bullet, Swikowski. Be careful. Now I can't use my brothers anymore. They're gone. <laughs> so I use my wife. I'll get my wife after you. Now. <laughs> Amen, Jake. Even Jake's afraid of her back there. <laughs> now, understanding something. Hate is a, is a bad word. We don't hate people. We want to care for people. But Cain hated his brother. I love my brothers. You should love your brothers. You, I, love, I have two sisters. I love my two sisters. My sister, by the way, uh, we tell you to pray for her with her, her, her cancer. She went to the doctor. Uh, it's very early, and she'll be treated in January. Everything will be just fine. Oh. Laparoscopic surgery and, and sent home with Tylenol and, 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 and no, probably no radiation. So praise the Lord for answered prayer. And so my sister, who's 10 years older than me, she'll be 70 this year. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> But praise God, she will be 70, amen? And uh, she was always a good sister to me. And I, I thank God for her. And uh, I have a thousand stories to tell. Maybe I'll put them in a book one day. i got to tell you the candy apple story one day, but that's another story for another time. And how my sister's candy apple saved me and, and, and destroyed Ronnie uh, and uh, Bobby Snyder one day. Now, we see here in verse number 13, marvel not. My brethren, if the world hates you. That word marvel not simply means do not be surprised when, uh, when righteousness is despised. There's a lot of things I don't watch on TV, and I don't understand. Listen, I've been laid up with my knee. So one thing I got in the habit of watching at 11 o'clock, the price is right. Don't ask me why, but I'm sitting there. Uh, $2,000! One dollar. So I'm yelling at the TV while my leg is up while I'm going through knee replacement surgery. So I was, my wife goes, we want to go out. And I'm like, well, can we wait till the price is right is over? She says, you got the DVR. Save it. It's not the same. So I'm like this old man watching the price is right at 11 o'clock. But there's this other show called The View. And anybody who watches that show, you actually, it's been proven by science that when you watch that, you become dumber. You lose brain cells. And, 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 and bad things happen to you when you watch them old hags, those old godless leftist uh, antichrists on that show discuss and talk things. They're, one's dumber than the other. And how it stays on the air is beyond me. But there they are. And every time they get a chance, they will mock and belittle Christian values and exalt ungodly things. Marvel not! That the ladies on The View don't agree with us. Don't, don't, you should, I don't understand it. No, <laughs> know who they are and, and a thousand other people that are out there. You would think sinners would change their conduct, but they don't. They hate us. Uh, something else here, Satan's children hate God's children. As you see, marvel not that the world hates you. Look at verse number 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. 
We know love by this. that he, what, what did Jesus do? Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Love gives. Love wants to help. Hate wants to murder and do things, bad things to people. And so God, again, is letting us know the contrast here. Well, how do I know who's part of God and who's not? Well, watch the character. Satan's children, again, uh, hate God's children. And, and, and he says, if you, anybody who hates, they have no eternal life abiding in them. It should be an easy marker. Satan's children are indifferent towards God's children. They're indifferent. The phrase... Talking about, you know, we, we, we know love is this, that again, we, we, we care for one another. We, we want the best for each other. Look at verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. God's grace gives us a, a, a loving willingness to help people. And sometimes in helping people, we have to give up something to help somebody else. Give up something in order to be a blessing to somebody else. And we see this attitude shines throughout the entire New Testament. Somebody giving up to be a blessing and encouragement to somebody else. Look, if you will, at the book of Philippians. Let's see an example of this. Book of Philippians, in chapter number two, we meet a man who, who, who exemplified this. And by the way, we're all thankful for people in our lives who gave up something to help us. We're all benefits, we've all benefited from somebody who gave up to help us. So in turn, what do we do? We repay the favor and help somebody else in our life. In Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 25. Yet I suppose it necessary to send unto you Aphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor and fellow soldier by your messenger, that, and that he ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not only, not on him only, but on me also, lest I shall have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that ye see him again, ye that ye may rejoice that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. As we see this man here in Scripture, Aphrodite is a man who was willing to go out of the way to help Paul, bring Paul a gift. He got sick along the way, almost died, and, he, and, and, and willing to give his life to do something. How many of us were willing to you know, I need you to do something, but it's kind of dangerous, and, and listen, you may get sick unto death. You're going to be bad off. And you, will you do it? Well, I don't know about that. Well, that's the cause of Christ, by the way. Jesus said, follow me. He said, promise sunshine and rose. He said, follow me. And, and, and he's going to take you down some dark alleys and some dark paths and some roads of sorrow, but he wants you to follow him anyway. And, and, and that's what love does. 
Then when we get married, you take that vow for better, richer. My wife got the worse and the poorer part with this part, but she, she got me at the end of the day. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Wake up out there. Come on now. Let the turkey kick in out there. And so life is, life, and again, nobody's, and how many people give up in their marriage because, you know what, I didn't count on all this. Well, what do you think marriage was going to be? There's, there's suffering involved. Bad things happen. I, I told you a story once before. I, I don't talk about it too much, but I had to go to the hospital. Was, uh, I didn't know the people. Somebody from out west called somebody that I knew, and they called me. We go down to Robert Wood Johnson. A lady was expecting a baby, and something tragic happened. And, and uh, she basically had to amputate all her limbs, and she lost the baby. Will you go down and talk to them? I'm like, well, I don't know what to say to them. What do you say to somebody? I made my way to the hospital, went up to the room. She was, they had her in a comatose state, and her husband was standing there, basically shell-shocked. And I realized this man doesn't even know I'm here. I'm talking to him. He's answering me, but he, he, he really has no clue I'm here. You, you can talk to people and know this is, this is, this is. And uh, what do you say to somebody? You know, I've often thought about them because when I went back, they were transferred somewhere else and I lost all complete track of them. But I often, here's a man, one day you, you, you leave your house, your wife is cleaning the house, you're expecting a child, and, and then you get a phone call and you go to the hospital, your wife has lost her arms, her legs, and she's, and, and no baby. That man has to care for that dear lady the rest of his life, unless more complications and she passed away. I don't know what happened to them. I wish I did. My friend, that's, that's, you, you love somebody, so he has to take care of her the rest of her life like that. And that's what you do because you love somebody. That's life. There's no promises that it's all going to be well and good. When we follow Christ, when we serve the Lord, our love for each other will, causes us to be wanting to do something for each other. And we see this and I'll close out with this. He says in verse number 17 here, he says, uh, Whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shut up with his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Again, he's talking about the lost world. Listen, the lost world does not donate to the cause of Christianity. We did not get one dime from any lost person or any rich person or any business in town to help us with our church van to go out and pick up boys and girls for Sunday school. Who donated all that money? God's people did that. The lost world, the, 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 the millionaires and billionaires of this world do not help the cause of Christ. They really don't help much of anything, by the way. They, they may donate, but it's... It's a generic donation. You know, the, the Gates of the World and the Rockefeller that can do a lot of good to help a lot of people and help people who are doing something. You know, hey, here's some money. I had a friend one time, he said, Matt, I don't really don't know what you're doing up at your church. I just know you guys are doing a lot of things to help a lot of people. Here's $100. I appreciate that, amen? 
That's probably one of the few donations I ever got from the lost world to help us to help people here. We send boys and girls to camp. The lost world does not give us money to send boys and girls to summer camps. We do that. We make it possible for every kid who wants to go to camp to go to camp. So he's, again, it's the idea of, again, now a Christian should ought to be willing to help another Christian. But what he's letting you know is the lost world does not help out the cause of Christ. And you want to know who the lost are? They, because you, they, they see the needs and they do nothing to fix the need. They keep that all to themselves. The love of God does not dwell in them people. I, I always love to watch the movie, the original 1951 Alistair Sims version of A Christmas Carol. It's a good book, excellent book, and the movie's almost spot on to the, the, movie's spot, almost spot on to the book with just a few minor changes. But I always, I, I'm always in, in, thrilled with Ebenezer Scrooge's character. And goes from this miserly, miserable human being who hates mankind to be transformed into this generous, compassionate being. Now, again, there's a lot in there, and it's not a, you know, Christ is mentioned, and it's not a, I wouldn't say a Bible story, but the Christian principles are all laid throughout that entire book. Biblical principles are all throughout that book, and what we're seeing. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. The love of God does not dwell in this man. The righteous will help the righteous. The righteous will give. Hey, this is my last turkey leg, but here, have at it. We've always got something here to help you out and be a blessing to you. So the Christians will know who each other are because of the mark that's upon them. And the world doesn't see it, but we see it. That there's this love of Christ that makes us love each other and want to bless each other. You know, the world's got the, this, the race issue in the world. Listen, it's never going to go away. You know what fixes the race issue? It's Jesus Christ. Because then you finally see people as Christ sees people. How can I say this without sounding weird, crazy, or strange? I, I really don't look at people, and I'm not looking at anybody here to, to, to see your skin color per se. Now, I see it. If you don't see me as a white man, then you're probably blind. Right? But that's who I am. But I don't look at you and I don't judge you. I don't characterize you by that. I see a, a, a human being and, and it's the love of God in me that cares for you as a person. No matter where you came from and no matter who you are. We're cared about the person. I got a lot of friends who are very ignorant individuals. I know people who are very ignorant. I try to stay, steer clear of them. I try to stay where I'm at and, and, and just care for people. I'll close with this. I, I told this story a hundred times before, but I had a pastor in town years ago ask me, he says, Matt, what's your main focus of outreach? I do that because I'm thinking, because I don't understand the question. So I try to look intelligent while I am completely ignorant. Anybody else do this or is it just, I mean, it's just, yeah, well, you know, my brain's going, what in the world does that mean? And it's like scrambling through files trying to figure out <laughs> what, what's that. And so I'm like, my main focus of outreach. I'm like, what? <laughs> Finally, he's like, I have no idea. He says, well, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a, about the time, we're a, we're a Scottish church, and we try to mainly reach the Scottish people. Who are you trying to reach? This is what I said, I, I, uh, sinners? <laughs> <laughs> Sinners, 
You Scottish? No? I, oh, they got one here. I don't, no, I'm Polish, forget you. I said, sinners. He looked at me, he turned around, he walked away. It's like, that's, I, I don't, that's a stupid question. The dumbest question I got this week. It's the question I got in the last 20 years, and I've got a lot of them. We want people. <laughs> because people is to whom Christ died for. That's what I like about soul winning. It doesn't matter who's behind that door. If they're, if they're human and breathing, they're a, car- they're, they're, they're a candidate for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're to love mankind. We're to love the lost. We're to love each other. But our, our mark as Christians is love for each other. And how do we know those who are not Christians amongst us? By this lack of love. That's when we say something wrong with this person. Something not matching up here. Let's stand together for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for Christ who came, born of Jewish skin, grew up in Judaism and its customs, but he came for the world, all the world, so that all men of all customs, all backgrounds, all of Adam's children might be redeemed and have their sins forgiven. Thank you for the love that has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit of God. And may we have genuine love for each other and care for each other. And if anybody here today is not saved, help them to understand the gospel, to realize it's an inclusive gospel for all men and all women.